Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Force Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. That's a report. It's a report. <laughs> 
Yeah, we know Akbar. Everybody has seen the same thing that you are. That was great. If you've been listening to the Clone Wars Report for a while, you might know that I, Joseph Scrimshaw, used to say the Clone Wars Report. And then Ken Napsok would make some beautiful uh, mouth music. Now it has uh, become a nice sample, an audio sample from the episodes we're discussing today. <laughs> and that was a great Akbar impression. You know, I've been working on it since 1983. <laughs> it's a talent. Yeah, very yeah. good. Very, very good. All right, let's get into this. Uh, we are happy to be here discussing Clone Wars. We are starting season four. The episodes in the arc that we are discussing is uh, season four, episode one, Water War, written by Jose Molina and directed by Dwayne Dunham. So awesome. Season four, episode two, Gungan Attack, written by Jose Molina and directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. In season four, episode three, Prisoners, written by Jose Molina and directed by Danny Keller. Three different directors. Ken, did, did you sense the work of three different auteurs or did it all feel similar? It all felt similar. It, that's, a, that's a great question and great point. It felt similar, but each episode, definitely, this was, this was a three-part harmony of a big story here uh, and, and, a, and a great writer taking it all the way through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Much like uh, one of the themes of the episode I'm sure we'll talk about, it felt unified, not divided. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, we're going to dive into this summary so we can dive into talking about this big, watery season premiere arc. Here's the summary, Ken. Civil War, but underwater. On the water planet of Mon Cala, the two great species, the Mon Calamari and the Quarren, have a strained but peaceful relationship. Seeking to disrupt this fragile peace and take over the planet for the Separatists, Count Dooku sends vicious Karkaradon, Rift Hampson, to secretly murder the Mon Calamari king, Yos Kalina. Uh, the dead king's young son, Prince Lee Char, should now take the throne, but the Quarren reject the leadership of the young prince. Seeking to unify the Republic planet and prevent civil war, Padme Amidala, along with her Jedi protector, Anakin Skywalker, attend negotiations on Mon Cala. The Quarren threaten to join the Separatists and bring Rift Tamsin as a Separatist ambassador. But Rift Tamsin and Dooku have no interest in peace. They convince the Quarren to launch an attack. The planet is plunged into conflict. The Jedi Council sends reinforcements. Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tana, scuba trooper clones, and a topless Kit Fisto. Young Lee Char does his best to lead, but he is young and frightened. Veteran warrior Captain Guile Akbar takes the lead, but they are defeated and driven into hiding. The Jedi Council realizes they must send reinforcements, but outfitting clones will take too long. So, citing their relationship with the endangered Padme Amidala, Yoda convinces the Gungan army to intervene. And despite their valiant efforts, the Gungans, Mon Calamari, and clone troopers are all captured. Jar Jar and Padme are forced to watch as Anakin and Kit Fisto are tortured by electric eels. Only Ahsoka Tano and young Lee Char escape the clutches of Rift Hampson. With Ahsoka's wise guidance, Lee Char realizes he must not give in to fear and instead brings hope to his people. He encourages all the separate forces to work together, then bravely surrenders to Rift Hampson, who has now taken the throne. Lee Char appeals to his father's former friend, Quarren Chieftain Noser Rai, to resist the manipulations of the Separatists who only want to use and plunder their planet. All the factions work together to repel the Separatists, and Lee Char faces Rift Hampson in battle, successfully stabbing him with his own exploding underwater knife. <laughs> Tamsin blows up. Lee Char is crowned king, and there is peace. Except for the raging Clone Wars across the galaxy. The end. So there's the summary, Ken. That's, uh, these these are works of art, and I seriously <laughs> want someone to cl cut them out and make some sort of animated uh, <laughs> uh, you know, 
art out of them. Yeah, like the television show. That'd be great. Be great. <laughs> was, well, that's why I paused. I was like, make an animated version of the animated. Never mind, Ken. But no, uh, I love I love your summaries. I look forward to them. They're so uh, well done. Uh, and also just really highlight what's in these episodes, which is a great thing for me because sometimes I go into an episode a little grumpy. I understand. Well, let's get into this. What was your overall reaction to this arc? Did you love it? Did you like it? Did you struggle with it? Are you uh, just captured by the grumpy side of the force? <laughs> no, look, it's no secret if you've been uh, you're friends with me uh, since uh, 2011 or listened to any show that I've been talking Star Wars on. At some point, I might take a swipe at Riff Tampson. And just as I was excited to revisit Mortis when we launched the Clone Wars report here in Force Center, I was uh, dubious about what it would be like to go revisit Riff Tampson. So look, we often pick, right? We, we, we pick and choose what works for us as fans and what is Star Wars. You would have had that discussion. What is it? And I guess squids, personally, I guess I love them. I need them at the head as the head of rebel fleets. Sharks, apparently I'm out. Um, but after this, I got to tell you something. This also, uh, when we get into some of the themes, this episode hit me right where I kind of needed it with some career stuff going on. And Star Wars works in that way. And, and it works a magical force way. And these episodes are beautiful episodes. They really are. Um, and then overall, just this arc of, of a good fable of uniting people that have let themselves become divided and how to do that and, and how to change and grow and how to not act out of fear. So many valuable things. So I, I really did love these episodes. I'll get the riff when riff pops up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, my overall reaction, I just got to start with riff. Uh, <laughs> like I've been saying on previous Clone Wars report episodes, when I finally watched the Clone Wars series, it was on Netflix. 2014, I was uh, just plowing through it, enjoying every episode, just shocked by all the great stuff that's in there uh, at this point, just desperate to get to Maul. And I like these episodes. They're just fine. Like, ah, cool. Uh, it's great to see the Mon Calamari and the Quarren and there's a bunch of water episodes. Cool. And then I was a little like, eh, shark guy. Huh. Not sure about that. I was not angry. <laughs> I didn't post anything snarky. Uh, but I was like, yeah, Rift Hampson, shark guy. I'm not, I'm not sure. Years of great Rift Hampson jokes for you from you, Ken. Um <laughs> were, they, I, were they great? I don't know, but I said them. I they amuse me because there's this specific kind of uh funny not letting something go. For me, I always think of that particular Simpsons episode where Homer is tipsy and won't shut up about the blue man group. Like he's just got a bone to pick with the blue man group and he's not letting it go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I feel like uh Riff Tampson was your uh blue man group. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh but I got to say for myself, I was like, eh, not sure about a shark guy. When I, we watch it again, deeply immersed in Star Wars and the Clone Wars, like, yeah, they're called Mon Calamari. <laughs> yes. The way I was introduced to the corn as a child of the 80s was an action figure called Squid Face. Yeah. They shoot ink out of somewhere on their bodies at one point in this episode. How how could a shark guy be a problem in that context? How could a shark guy possibly be a problem? That's what I felt on this uh, watch through. You are 100% right. And this is the, uh, what is it, Kevin Scott who loves uh, Jackson, right? Yeah. Um, this is how Jack, uh, Kevin Scott won me over with Jackson with his short story and from a certain point of view where he just basically said like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a bunny rabbit. There's, there's a squid guy. There's a walking dog. Like, why is a bunny rabbit a problem? And... <laughs> That's just, that's truth. And, and I, I had this thought watching this episode. 
you know, I need, I, I told myself, I need to look at the why of Riff. We, we always say there at Force Center, Star Wars wants you to ask why. That's big and noble. I need to take that uh, advice for myself sometimes. And the use of, uh, you know, stereotypical, vicious, dangerous predator in control out of uh, sheer power and his own fears and selling fear and selling con- control is peace, like, or peace is control and vice versa. It, it works. It's a great, important why. And and then I was watching uh, two characters I grew up with and therefore love, love Radis, love Akbar. But you're right. It's it's uh, squid and squid and other kinds of squid and maybe a shrimp thrown in there. Like, <laughs> yeah. It, it works and it wasn't a problem for me as much this time. I still might have a joke here or two about Riff over the course of my life, um, but it worked on a different level this time. Yeah, I mean, look, it, he also has, I think, one of the all-time Star Wars names of, you know, a name that absolutely sounds like the most Star Wars in some ways, but also I feel like, haven't I bought a used car from Riff Tampson in the real world? Like, Hasn't he bullied someone in a high school movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So he had to get the Rift Hampson talk uh, out of the way. And I so agree with you about the why. I think the fact that he is this contrast to Prince Lee Char, who is too young, uh, not very experienced, uh, totally understandable that Lee Char would have fear. And in contrast, here is this absolute dominant, fearless predator, right? Th- yeah. There's That contrast is really important. Yeah, absolutely is. Absolutely is. And 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 it's a reminder, final for me on it, reminder to just sometimes lighten up, Ken. Lighten up. It's Star Wars town. Let go and enjoy the shark guy. There's there's the bumper sticker for the week. Um, For myself, for my overall reaction to the arc, I think it was always one that was like, I like it. It's fine. I really liked it looking at it in the lens that we have been uh, here on the Clone Wars report where we look at the big ideas, but then we also just look at like the fun and the adventure and the, the adventure serial thrills. I loved uh, also just paying more attention to the fact that this is the season opener. So it's this big season opening spectacular with just like a ton of action in very different action because it's all underwater, you know? Um, yeah. I like watching episodes of, of Star Wars in general, but Clone Wars in particular that seemed really interested in playing with mixing different genres into Star Wars. And it's like, this is incredibly Star Wars, but I also feel like I'm watching the James Bond movie Thunderball and Jaws. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's just so much genre influence in it and it makes it feel different and fun and it makes the action different. Totally, totally. It, 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 yeah, as you're right. Season premiere, there's a big, big fighting. We love our fighting in Star Wars. And this is big stuff. Yeah, absolutely huge stuff. Um, this is another also, this arc, I feel like, happens a couple times in the Clone Wars where it is a battle that is a micro version of the whole macro Clone Wars. And I really like how much of that is going on where even the Jedi are starting to be aware of. Uh, you know, Ahsoka talks about things. This is what Dooku does. This is what the Separatists do mm. is... They come to a place where there is a little bit of, uh, uh, there's legitimate friction and they erode hope and introduce fear and they they convince one side that they're helping them, but all they're doing is taking over for themselves, right? And it's just mm-hmm. a little mini summary of the Clone Wars plot. I, 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 you know, I, not only did I have that thought, I had that specific thought of, man, if the Separatist Republic, Republic could just shake hands, they'd defeat Palpatine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so those, those are some of my big picture thoughts and reactions. Really loved it. Really just enjoyed it because it does have some big ideas. I think they're, ironically, in an underwater episode, the big ideas are on the surface. <laughs> ah. uh, but it also is just jam-packed with adventure and fun. So uh, great arc. I'm excited to discuss it more. 
let's get into the morals of the episodes uh, that appear right there on the screen. Three episodes, three morals. The first moral is when destiny calls, the chosen have no choice. The second moral is only through fire is a strong sword forged. And the final moral is crowns are inherited, kingdoms are earned. Uh, which of those speak to you and why? I really actually love all of them. Uh, I think my Game of Thrones heart started flutter, fluttering at the inherited <laughs> earned one. Uh, winning and ruling are two, fa- are, are two different things. But no, um, I'll tell you what. I, I really, the first one into the second one got me. And then and this is where like personal life stuff starts. You know, we're always appropriately and professionally vague on anything you and I are dealing with in our own lives. Uh, not, but sometimes Star Wars gets in. And just when Destiny calls the chosen have no choice, to me it means it still reflects destiny as a, as a thing that takes you to a big point of choice. Um, and, and you have to choose and the burden of the choice and the purpose of the choice is still your calling, but you have been put into this position. You have no choice, but to make the choice is how I, how I, uh, look at it. And, and there's a, there's like a flaming lips, uh, line that's, uh, you know, you're man, not a boy. There's things you can't avoid. You have to face it when you're not prepared to face it. Just one of those things. And I'm in a season of change where I have a lot of fear kind of creeping into my, my heart and soul about some, some future stuff and career. And it's just like, no, you, you are here. And you have no choice but to make a choice. You still got to make it. You still got to learn to make the best choice. But you, this is where you are. It's where you need to be. And and I think uh, when we look at Star Wars and stuff, we can connect to the bigger picture of destiny and, and the journey and how sometimes we, 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 we're we only looking ahead because at the rosy things and, and the thorns uh, poking us right now are part of the journey. And this is a lot about what that second one meant to, uh, to me, the only only through fire is a strong sword forged, uh, that I think these seasons of change and trials are, like I said, part of the journey. The journey doesn't begin after that. You are already on the one that you need to be on uh, and, and where you're going to get to those choices. And so those ones really pulled me in. Yeah, I think these are all great. I think all of that is uh, very well said, uh, very uh, relatable to the to the big themes that you're talking about, the way they impact us on a on a day to day basis, uh, life, personal stuff, career stuff, all that. Uh, really insightful. These morals, I really like them uh, because I feel like they're playing with a tension in Star Wars that Star Wars, particularly the prequel era with uh, Anakin being called the Chosen One and having a prophecy, there yeah. can be this tension in Star Wars between this idea of we are all equal, we have a symbiont circle, what happens, what affects one of us uh, affects the others, uh, let's work together, uh, and then we can all accomplish something versus uh, who's been born with power, you know, who's inheriting power, who is the, the only one who can save the galaxy kind of thing. Uh, there's that tension there. Yeah. And, and this episode, this arc and these morals kind of deal with that by saying, hey, look, uh, everybody is born into some position. Lee Char didn't do anything special <laughs> yeah. uh, to be born into this specific tradition of ruling. Uh, but it, the stories being told and these morals about Lee Char, I think, take away any sort of like he's divine, you know, mm-hmm. that he was born with power. He was born into a society that people chose to structure this way. And maybe someday they'll choose to structure it differently. And there's nothing inherently better about him than yeah. any uh, other Mon Calamari or Corrin, he has to be forged in fire. <laughs> yeah. You know, he might have inherited that crown, but he has to earn that kingdom through not destiny, but choice, you know? Mm. Yeah, well, well said about the structure and and, and while you're talking, I'm thinking of, uh, like you said, the Anakin stuff of, uh, 
you know, uh, with that, that, that halo of chosen one hanging over you and how that can kind of, uh, pervert your view of what to do with the power that you have and, and what you choose to do with that power and, uh, the cheering and the chanting, uh, in support of Lee Char, the great speeches at the end, it was really uplifting. It, it is this, this three part, uh, uh, moral fable of how to lead and how to handle the power you have. So well said, I, I really enjoyed that. Awesome. Well, thank you uh, for the kind words. Let's uh, move on from these uh, Game of Thrones morals, which they very much are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and dive into all the big themes, the ideas at stake in these episodes. Uh, for you, was uh, the kind of explicit idea of hope versus fear was that the the big thing that you gravitated toward? Absolutely. You, you and I have been really putting a spotlight on that for good reason. It's always there. <laughs> it's so yeah. Crazy. It, it, it pops up, you know, oftentimes in a very explicit way. Certainly the words hope and fear are often explicit in Star Wars. But even when it's not mentioned and you just look, what what is a character choosing between? It is almost always in Star Wars hope and fear. Yeah, which just breaks down to just little, little level, you know, your daily steps in life. Um, and it's not always choose, easy to choose hope, which is part of the lesson here. Lee Chart so many times could turn away or make a wrong decision out of fear. I love it. So, yeah, I, I wrote down is uh, hope is the most valuable weapon against the dark side. Big theme all the way through it. And again, again dark side being so many things, not just uh, uh, space wizards and, and, the, and the black cloaks with the red uh, sabers, because clearly we don't really, other than Dooku, we don't see, really see that here. It's, it's the overall dark side seeping down to the bottom. So that was the big one for me, other ones to back that up. But yeah, absolutely. Hope, man. Hope versus fear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I like that Dooku, this big presence of fear, is just kind of the mean boss that you have to do Zoom calls with. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, uh, this was it was nice every once in a while to have a, a real hope versus fear dichotomy just explicitly um, explored in dialogue, but also in actions. You know, I like where this whole big picture story starts that, yes, the Quarren and the Mon Calamari have differences. And it is, you know, this is one of those moments where, like, Star Wars is not trying to be naive and just say, like, hey, look, if you give me half of your pie, I'll give you half of my cake and we shake hands and everything's fine, you know? Right. It really establishes that, yeah, there's been tension in the past and it's a difficult journey to keep the corn and Mon Calamari united, particularly during mm -hmm. these difficult times of the Clone Wars, a transition of power. And, uh, it's exactly at that moment that because staying united is legitimately difficult, that that is the moment that requires hope. It requires enough people to say, I can imagine a future where this has worked out and where uniting is going to work. And it's an easy, easy time for fear to creep in, to go yeah, no, I don't trust you. You're going to renege on this. You just want to dominate me. So I'm going to push back. And and it's just such a great picture of uh, the Clone Wars era, uh, the Sith dark side perspective that Dooku knows this is the exact moment to just uh, smash the hope and increase the fear. So like, it's not just Lee Char's journey. It's what's going on in the society of Moncala at this exact moment. That is this hope versus fear, uh, you know, pressure point. Yeah. And that flows down to the sub theme for me of this, uh, you know, uh, communication uh, being this uh, important tool to fuel hope or either fuel uh, communication breakdowns, fueling fear. It's, it's the, the power of communication. No, sorry. And Lee Char have that moment in the beginning of, of, yeah, you, you know, your dad and I were friends. Well, he's dead, and the guy you're working with probably killed him. 
<laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Just talk it out. And, and I love where it ends up and it takes tragedy to get there. But uh, uh, that without that communication, uh, you are alone. You feel alone. And that's when uh, Dooku and the dark side gets on in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I love the, the lines of dialogue that make it explicitly clear that Dooku understands what's going on, right? Uh, he mm-hmm. must not become a symbol for the Mon Calamari people to rally behind. The whispering of his name can rekindle hope, and hope is something we cannot allow our enemies to possess. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just absolutely uh, the Sith playbook. Uh, so I like that these kind of big societal issues of hope get get uh, just centered on Lee Char, right? That yeah. the bad guys want to kill him because he could be a source of hope. And he, I like that there are steps in his journey towards hope. Like first, he's kind of just willing to be a symbol, right? He uh, has that moment where he takes a risk to make sure that the uh, captured Mon Calamari can see him. And he has a great conch blowing moment. Yeah. <laughs> and it's basically just like, just look at me. I'm still alive. Hope that helps. <laughs> right. Uh, and then by the final episodes, he finds that faith in himself uh, I think he kind of finds some hope when he actually comes up with a proactive plan of his own. Like he personally analyzes the situation and he's not just taking the good advice of Akbar or Anakin. He came up with the plan. And then there's this great reversal when he goes to uh, the prison area and uh, basically brings hope back to injured Akbar, who's like, okay, I, things are looking bad. And Lee Char's like, no, I got this. I got an actual plan. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, again, one of those great Star Wars stories that doesn't just say hope. Hope is magic and will fix everything. Hope is the right. thing that Lee Char needs to spur him on to this action. Yeah, I, there's a lot of uh, of what Lee Char goes through that I, I kind of spiritually connected to some of the lessons that Poe Dameron uh, went through and, and what he learned and, and, and what that point was and, and particularly eight and nine. Uh, I just, thought I really connected to that, but just uh, these, the ideas of, of how and when to learn, sometimes you just got to do it. Right. And I, I love that Akbar kind of has this like uh, at the beginning, like he's not running, he needs training. All right, get out there. <laughs> uh, but and, and and learning among that, this idea of the wisdom of, of kind of true bravery, and sometimes that bravery is knowing that you know when when to run and when to fight, which is a a, a, a needle to thread it for sure at times. But how some of that is just bluster and fear, and and other times it is. Um, this for this idea of keeping hope alive, which because that's the more important thing. Anyways, it just it just a good thread that just every time made me think of some of uh, Poe Dameron's just specific lines that he had uh, in eight and nine. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think this is a very similar uh, uh, sort of leadership journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just like that there was some explicit dialogue about fear, right? Where uh, Prince Lee Char uh, and Ahsoka are talking when they're kind of the only ones left, and they could they could run. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Lee Char asks Ahsoka, aren't you scared? And Ahsoka says, I used to be all the time until I realized that if you make decisions out of fear, you're more likely to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because, again, it, it isn't necessarily fear that's like, uh, I can beat up everyone in this bar. I'm not scared. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not necessarily, you know, when, when Star Wars is talking about fear, it's not necessarily like, you know, going on the television show Fear Factor. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're afraid of a snake. So be in a room with them like, yep, that's a kind of defeating fear. Uh, but I, I think what Star Wars is so often talking about more is a, that kind of internalized fear that eats at us and paralyzes us and must be fought all the time. Sounds like that's something that you're going through. That is literally something I went through this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the same day I was watching this, I had a I had a thing I wasn't doing and I knew I'm not doing it because I'm afraid that something bad might happen. 
once I push go on this idea, right? Right. And no, no specific reason to think it could go wrong. Just life experience that, hey, whenever you start something, it could go wrong. <laughs> so it's scary to start things, you know? Uh, and that's, to me, was like just a perfect example of that kind of internal fear that Ahsoka yeah. is talking about of like, the difference between fear and concern like yeah you got a legitimate reason to be concerned you're in the middle of a war but you can't let fear make you paralyze you mm -hmm. yeah this is this is the moment that got me and it sounds uh sounds like uh let's hold hands buddy we're in the same spot uh, <laughs> a lot of different reasons and, and and you said it so well as we always do but you really just said something wonderful there about what star wars is the kind of fear star wars is teaching us about i've run into this quite frankly, argument with personal friends over the last couple of years where, uh, you know, it's all great in being strong and, and, and tough. And I used to work a, a job where you had to have that kind of front face up of, of uh, I, I'm tougher than you. And, uh, and there's some stuff to that, but like, that ain't what it's about, man. <laughs> and I, I think that's what a lot of times I think some of the, just especially if you in the eighties, uh, you know, we've said a lot, but just, you know, you got your Rambos, you got this and diehards and, uh, you know, actually I went through a diehard is a little bit about a, an every man uh, not, you know, facing his own fears in that situation. But, but you know, I mean, we grew up in the big blustery uh, muscles of the eighties and, and, and Luke thrown down his lightsaber had, was a different kind of strength and star Wars is speaking on that strength. And it comes down to these moments where I'm sitting on my, my couch just two days ago going, I, I, I don't know how I can go forward. So I think I need to make this decision, this X decision. And that X decision might end up hurting me more than taking a risk, another risk going forward. And it's that fear that destroys. And that could also be with friendships. That could also be with uniting the quarantine, I uh, might have some fears about do we what do we sacrifice with ourselves if we're a little more friendly to Mon Calamari and vice versa? Uh, and where do we get without it? And then later on, Joseph, we got an example of people, uh, two species in the past who've already taken that leap of faith and it's rewarding. The Gungans, Naboo, Padme, uh, they already took those leaps uh, to fight against that kind of internal fear. And now here we are uh, with new kind of hope. So it got me, it moved me, that line, those lines from Ahsoka, so powerful. Very, very powerful. Yeah. And, and when you're connecting it back to Luke, you know, I, I think it's such a powerful moment when Luke says to Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, you're like, I'm not afraid. And the great scary <laughs> Yoda line of you will be, you will be. Because I, I think it's I think it's the warrior discussion. I think Luke has gotten used to being a warrior and he's like, I'm not afraid. I'll run in there with my blaster and my lightsaber and I'll face anything. And Yoda's like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's yeah. good. That's one part of fear. Uh, but I'm talking about deep personal emotional fear. Like when you find out he's your daddy and you could do the same thing, you could hurt just as many people. That's going to be a different kind of fear. And you don't understand internal emotional fear yet. That's a great moment to really highlight. It really is. We love that Dagobah stuff. Everyone should. I loved Taika Waititi saying, uh, yeah, you know, as a kid, I thought that was okay. Now it's my everything in Star Wars. I'm paraphrasing what he said in the, in the Mando behind the scenes doc, but that's an important, that's the lesson on fear. And it really just shows up in this episode. Yeah, in a really great way. Uh, next big idea I want to talk about is the one that, that you had launched us into right there, which is this great uh, idea of uniting, not dividing. It is a different way to talk about um, hope uh, versus fear in a certain way, but hope versus fear is kind of the emotions running underneath, and then there's a very specific uh, uniting versus dividing, which is the actual practical 
<laughs> results of hope or fear, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that Padme and the Republic is there to help prevent a civil war, to help uh, keep things together. Prince Lee Char, even though he is uh, frightened, uh, being attacked, people are dying left and right. He, he keeps losing any sort of helpers or mentor figures. Uh, and he keeps saying in his spoken dialogue, that his goal is not to destroy, defeat, uh, push back the corn. His goal is still to unify. You know, he says, we are a great people and I will do all I can to negotiate peace without bloodshed. Uh, I will unite my people. He just uh, uh, shouts out at one at one point, you know. And then I think the fact that his his big epiphany, the thing that kind of gives him hope and the first time where he really takes the mantle and like, I'm going to lead is that epiphany that, oh, they want to make, the separatists want to make us feel like we're outnumbered. And every time we've gone at them with part of our forces, we are. Mm. But, you know, it was a real, uh, there's actually more of us moment when he has that epiphany that, but together the Mon Calamari, the Gungans and the clones uh, are not outnumbered if we can all work together. Mm, where have I heard they win by making you think you're alone before? Where have I heard that? <laughs> In that, uh, that slightly debated film, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, Totally, totally agree with you. I think, you know, it's awesome that the Gungans are there because it's cool to see them off planet. It's it's cool to say like, hey, if we're going to have a water war, you know who we need to invite? The Gungans. Like, yes. that's just cool kind of on a Star Wars, uh, you know, galaxy world building uh, uh, sort yeah. of way. But yeah, the, the literal callback to the unification of uh, mm-hmm. the Naboo and the Gungans via Padme and Jar Jar is so great. Yeah, the symbiotic circle continues, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and then I like that it, the the final victory of Lee Char is that the hinge of all of this is uh, reuniting uh, with the Quarren chieftain, right? Uh, no, sir, Rai. Um, and I like I loved his quote of Dooku and Tamsin want only to exploit us and leave our cities broken and our resources depleted. It, it is that's really about dividing, you know, uh, divide. The, they want to divide and conquer. And Prince Lee Char successfully reaches out to that corn chieftain and says, no, let's unite. Let's unite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, love that. Love, uh, love everything about that there. Uh, yeah. Other, other big ideas uh, for you? The last one, uh, big ideas. And then, uh, you know, as we always, we bleed into the, 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 the larger story connections, right? Uh, I put this idea of, a, and the next generation shall lead them. I love seeing that. <laughs> All this kind of ends up falling, no, number one, the shoulders of Lee Char, but Ahsoka, it's that yes. around. Um, love that. Love how that's the value of uh, the importance of Ahsoka as, as this kind of window to the rest of the world character that they, they, they built a lot of the Clone Wars around. Not that it isn't about so many other characters, too, but I love that. And, and it's something that's big for Star Wars, and I th- th- thought it was very present in this episode. Yeah, that was my last thing as well, this idea of young leaders coming of age. This is obviously, you know, Lee Char's arc. But as we're watching the the Clone Wars with this filter, we're really watching these moments of Ahsoka growth, right? And last season ended with this big moment of growth where she had been pushed out on her own in a terrifying situation, you know, being hunted. Um, And then she comes back and gives Anakin that compliment that, you know, you were with me, Master everything you taught me has helped me, you know, basically survive, stand on my own two feet. So I think it's then really powerful that this first uh, arc of season four is her seeming and feeling just so centered in her perspective, her uh, learned experience, all that stuff. Um, You know, it it gets set up that uh, the alleged inciting incident of all this is that 
Princely Char is too young. And the quorum basically going like, we're not going to listen to that guy, you know? Yeah. Doesn't have military training, can't live up to his father. Um, so he really sets him in that like, yeah, you're just a little Padawan. The same exact fears that Ahsoka had in expressed in uh, like the Clone Wars movie in mm-hmm. many times in the in the early seasons. And now it seems like she's kind of moved beyond that. And I, I love that when she first shows up, she rescues Anakin and Princely Char one after the other. Just yeah. really saying she's competent. And then that relationship that she has with Lee Chars, she keeps giving him advice and support and comfort. At one point, you know, Akbar's like, you know, you're our hope. And Ahsoka just pats him on the back. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's there in every way, right? There's that, like, there's a contrast to Anakin, who is, seems like he's mostly militarily correct in these episodes. But yeah. he just kind of like, uh, Lee Char, we need to do this. And Lee Char goes, okay. And Ahsoka's like, hey, here's wisdom when you want it. Here's a literal <laughs> bat on the back when you want it. Right. And I'm ready to support you and give you what you need. But get out of your way when you are ready to lead, you know? Mm. Mm. That's, that's well said, yeah. And season three, just overall for Ahsoka, just the, the leaps forward that character takes. Uh, this, is, uh, this is where I think the show overall really gels well, season three. And, and just uh, the why and the need of, uh, of Ahsoka just continues uh, to, to show, uh, show us all as fans. Yeah, yeah. And I also just like that there's that one uh, bit of dialogue where Ahsoka's just like, yeah, this is exactly what Dooku does. I've seen it a bunch of times, you know? Uh, so it's not just like personal growth and military growth. It's like true understanding of the, the galaxy and the war. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to how uh, these ideas in this arc are reflected in the larger story or morality or perspective of Star Wars. We already talked a little bit, but there are a lot of different connections. Where did you go to? Well, I always love sometimes my notes are really complete. Sometimes I forget to complete a sentence or sometimes I just do this. I wrote hope. So, you know, hope connects <laughs> to a lot of things in Star Wars. There, but, it uh, does. It <laughs> does. Uh, that I, I I talked a little bit about it, but just the weighing the gains and the losses in war, how it ties to not just Episode Eight, but all the Star Wars. But that's one of the things I loved about specifically Episode Eight of just really breaking down and analyzing the idea of, of of hero and sacrifice and what sacrifices really mean and 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 how important it is to to decide when's the right time. You and I talk often about hey, Star Wars asks when is the right time to act, but you know this is a situation where you have to act, and there are going to be losses. But how to how to mitigate that? How to, how to deal with that? There's that one moment where uh, one of the um, Mon Calamari uh, soldiers is shot and kind of floats uh, back dead at, right in front of Lee Char, and he's like, "Just this, this, this isn't good. This isn't good." And it just it's it 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 it's one of the there's some pretty violent deaths in this in these episodes that just oh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that one. I think we're digging with the same one later on. Um, I, I went oh oh. Um, but yeah, I just love that uh, this episode, these episodes weren't f- afraid to kind of put that in front of this leader that at one point kind of has this charge and everyone's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it leads to a great moment later on, the, the conch shell moment. It's not unlike a Aragorn, uh, you know, I see fear in your eyes. You know, uh, I, I love those kind of great speeches. And, and that is earned because of some of the lessons tied to this uh, in the beginning. Yeah, I, I love what you're saying. I really like how it connects to this idea of living to fight another day. And mm-hmm. uh, Akbar at one point gives him that. Like you just learned the, you know, the lesson that commanders must learn. Sometimes you have to live to fight another day, uh, which I, I would say that connects to, you know, a few things in Star Wars, like the entire film Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the entire film The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. Much of the imperial era of Star Wars. Uh, the idea of uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda being in seclusion. Th- this idea of 
bravery doesn't always just mean going out there with uh, a sword and, and fighting uh, to mm-hmm. the last person, no matter what. That there's a big part of it of this is uh, this is happens sometimes of you lose and you need the important thing, much like they talk about in the sequel uh, trilogy. The the important thing is to keep the spark of hope alive so it can ignite into something larger later. Yeah, I mean, literally, like, Lee Char, you're the spark. Stay alive. We need to find you. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I, I really like that. Um, I like that the um, the explicit lines that Dooku has that we talked about earlier of, like, we, we cannot allow hope to live. They're very, very similar to lines spoken by, you know, Snoke and Palpatine in the sequel era about this just absolute terror of Luke Skywalker, of that Luke Skywalker is going to come back and give one speech yeah. <laughs> and we're dead like the, how aware that the the villains are that you cannot give anything to inspire them right like yeah um you know i, I think there there's still maybe some fans who uh aren't sure about uh, a broom kid right yeah about tamiri blag and like you know uh, what's the power of that and like uh, that that is exactly what the villains fear right that mm-hmm. that inspiration that it is possible to stand up and fight for what you believe in. And that's what they want to die. That's what they need to die. And the villains are very, very aware of it. You have made time an ally of the rebellion and time (laughs) helps breed hope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Last thing for me is this uh, kind of looking at it from the, um, the, the cultural political standpoint of this is a, a delicate time uh, for the Moncalmari in, in the Quarren, that's really reminding me of some of the stuff that's going on in the High Republic, right? Of yep. Lena So is explicitly trying to reach out and unify larger parts of the galaxy, be there to help people in the Outer Rim and say, look, come into the Republic. Uh, we can all help you. We are all the Republic. We'll be, you know, uh, stronger together. And denial and Mark Yon Rowe in particular, understanding what all the villains do of like, eh, just make them not believe that, you know, stomp on that fragile hope uh, with a little bit of fear and then we can rise to power. It's like very, very similar to what is going on in the High Republic. Yeah, that's that's a great, uh, great way to look at it there. Yeah. Connect to some of that stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Any other uh, big picture stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of them um, uh, was coming out of that. What you were just saying is, you know, and I touched upon a little bit. Hey, they win by making you think you're alone. And and, and I just love that moment. Rice is walking. I love when it shows up in the rest of Star Wars. But, yeah, the corn of Moncala broken. Lee Char's away from his people. He's alone from his people, which also means the people away from their hope. And all this kind of reminds me, especially with the stuff going on with Dooku and and Tamsin of uh, some of this popped up a lot late, lately, too, because it's always present in Star Wars is the dark side takes light side builds and, and heals and, and that's represented in Leechar reuniting both um, Korn and, and Mon Calamari in a healthy way, right? In a good way to help the Gungans or Republic's uh, representatives are there as well. And I just love that showing up time and time again and how it's just uh, fear, hope, uh, light side, dark side is just the base level stuff and how that also attaches to, there's kind of some greed running through this episode of, uh, in the sense of, not just Thompson uh, uh, and, and Dooku, but I, I, I thought the Quarren at the beginning, there was a little bit of like, they want more than they actually need. And that has kind of forced them into this devil's deal out of fear. Uh, and this deal's getting worse all the time. Um, <laughs> and I just think it all is about the dark side taking, destroying and, and, and using it for itself uh, versus uh, building up, uniting and healing. Oh, I think that's a very well said. And I think, you know, it does relate to that big philosophical idea of the the light and the dark. But it's also nice to have one of the, another one of these episodes where you see 
what might be a legitimate grievance. If the Quarren are like, hey, the tradition on our planet has always been that the Mon Calamari lead us both. Eh, we we kind of question that, and you can kind of look at that as a yeah. neutral observer. I don't live on Moncala, and go, that's a legitimate concern. Maybe yeah. they should talk about it. And then seeing that uh, the dark side, uh, Dooku, Sidious, Tamsin, use that legitimate concern to push them into fear and anger and violence. And at the end of the day, uh, the dark side's doing it for itself, right? That they literally just take the planet. <laughs> like uh, you had a legitimate grievance. We got you to act out of fear. It didn't get you anything. In fact, we installed ourselves, and now we're going to plunder your planet. Like literally, to your point of the dark side taking, literally take your resources as our own. Yeah, that that old uh, meme of "Come to the dark side, we've got cookies." The dark side's uh, theme should actually be the dark side. Yoink! <laughs> the dark side. We'll take your cookies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, a great way to leave it. Uh, does this Clone Wars arc attach to the cookie meme of the dark side? And we think the answer is yes. Any other thoughts before we take a break? Uh, no, no. A lot of them uh, connected. I, 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 I highlighted already. We'll talk more about Gungans. What I like, I love giving Padme all the credit when she deserves it, which is often and perhaps all the time. But the, the, we, the, the, the fact that they, they, they invoke, uh, you know, the memories of Phantom Menace and how Jar Jar is like, nah. He doesn't say the Republic. We owe the Republic. He's like, Padme came for us. It's time to go help Padme. I just love that. And it connects just kind of the bigger Star Wars story and what we feel about Padme, too, but also the Gungans. Absolutely. One of my favorite scenes in this episode. So I look forward to discussing it more. We'll be back in a minute to talk all things Gungans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we are back to continue our discussion of the great season four opening uh, water war spectacular. Uh, there was, Ken, a lot of action <laughs> yeah, in these three episodes. Uh, so did you have some favorite moments of underwater action? Yeah, man. Oh, gosh, yeah, you're right. The list goes on. And I love sometimes my, my notes. Uh, I look back and go, what did, what did I mean? Uh, rip. Okay. Okay. So we have we haven't we talked about riff up top. Here's the character I knew coming in. I was a little challenged by. All right. The next big challenge, of course, is Mieber Gascon. But I can already tell you I like Mieber more than I did back in the day. Uh, Riff, though, I did forget about the viciousness of his bite attack action. And yeah. It's no joke. Yeah. It's good. Some good animation with a puff of, like, cloud of water around. It's, 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 woo, it's visceral. So I, I'm not rooting for Riff, but I did like the attacks. I like the attacks a lot because I think they're what make Riff really work for me ultimately because it seems like he can swim faster and more suddenly. Yes. <laughs> like a vicious predator shark guy. Uh, I like just, it's just a variety, right? That the first bit of action when the first fight breaks out in the uh, in the first episode and there's a bunch of cool weapons and blasters and all that and Riff's just swimming around biting people like a big shark. <laughs> <laughs> just chomping on them cool. uh it, it, it building up to a, one of my very favorite action moments the uh smashing uh, against the the pipe and Lee Char being like it, it should be fine it'll hold and then that absolute just terrifying moment where his head smashes all the way through and those chompers are coming legitimately terrifying it, it really was and this is again where you go to the Y of Riff and you're looking for a kind of a vicious villain and it's underwater you got squids and everyone's fighting uh, Gungans are popping up. It does work for me more than it did now. Will Riff ever be one of my favorite characters? Eh, probably not. Probably not. But uh, I, I really love how they use him in that moment. And there's and, and the, the use of the, the teeth, uh, there's a couple close shots of, of those vicious shark teeth. It worked. He's a threat. And I got it. Yeah, it just it was such a great contest where Lee Char is like, I am young, but I think I can be brave enough for. Yeah. And then suddenly he's just like, I will eat you all alive. <laughs> 
<laughs> the contrast between that military experience is, you know, uh, Lee Char grows a lot uh, yeah. in order to face Riff at all, much less take him out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are other moments for you? Uh, there was uh, one of those moments where as a Star Wars fan, I know you you feel this too, Justin, sometimes, and we all feel that just like, yeah, that's the stuff, is the uh, lats flying in over the water. And it is similar to my feeling uh, that I had when I saw the X-Wings in the Force Awakens trailer coming in over oh, the water. Yeah. Just one of those Star Wars action moments. I'm like, yep, I love to be on a playground reenacting that with friends. Yeah, and the, just that great lat sound effect, yeah. buzz in the water, beautiful. Love that. Um, another moment in the first episode for me is, <laughs> I mean, it's great to see young, uh, action packed, uh, Captain Akbar. There's yeah. a moment where he's got two blasters and he just yells and starts shooting both <laughs> blasters at the same time. That's the next on my list. I just want Akbar screaming as he shoots. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it's an action movie. Ah, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. It's a little over the top, but beautifully so, yeah, I think. He, he's got some great stuff, but he, later on he's got that, uh, you know, when they're cheering and Le- they're, they're cheering for you and Lee Char's like, ah, probably not. And, he's, and, and Akbar just says, then make it for you. Come on, lead. I'm like, damn, that's good, man. Akbar's good. Akbar is a good, clearly a military commander and a motivational coach, which is great. Um, So some other things for me, uh, I really like it. There's a lot of just great lightsaber play and all that and some great, uh, you know, uh, using the force underwater, fun to see. But I really like that moment where Anakin has to really concentrate and be covered by other people as he uses the force to take down the communication buildings. Right. Um, Right. I like those reminders every once in a while that like, Yep. So sometimes the Jedi just need to be focused on on running around and blocking the the laser beams. But if they can have a beat and be covered, they can do massive things. That they're truly powerful, right? So to see him use the Force to break the foundation and take this massive building down was really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I like there was that one shot when he kind of walks into that or swims into that area and kind he's kind of looking around like, all right, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, yeah, I can break this. I, I love that little shot. Yeah, absolutely great. Uh, Ton of great Gungan moments, for, but for me, I think the one that really got me is just their arrival and to, to hear them scream and that shot of them all diving into the water is so great. The screaming, think. diving Gungans. I wrote in all caps, tell me that isn't cool. I want to go to the biggest <laughs> prequel haters, probably men from our generation, let's be blunt. I want to go to them. I want to sit them down. I want to show them this. I want to go, just you tell me that isn't cool. You tell me you don't get a tear in your eye for the Gungans. <laughs> Coming into battle, save the day because of what, you know, the, the, the love and care and concern and, and unity that Padme showed them and helped uh, bring to their people and, and, the, and the Naboo. You tell me that isn't cool Star Wars stuff. It's a great, that, that Star Destroyer coming in, uh, the clones looking back at them, uh, you know, the, 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 these wonderful uh, warriors ready to go into action to save the day. That is some, and a beautiful shot. Oh, that look, they, they, your, the camera pulls back and you just see Gungans dropping into the water. Get out of here. That's cool. That's great Star Wars. It was really, really great. Just one of my favorite shots in, in all three episodes. Totally. Uh, more action moments for you? Yeah, there's a lot of um, Kit and Ahsoka have them, uh, two of the uh, letting go of a speeder into the battle droids or force pushing those little uh, underwater speeders, skis, whatever you want to call yeah. them. Yeah. And there was one particular one that Kit did it, and uh, Kit Vista, and there was just a droid with a thud. There's a couple good droid thuds. Riff hits a, 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 a droid later on, it's just a... Almost like a rubber ball underwater. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that that's some great stuff. Uh, I I think that the there's so many uh, moments with Kit Fisto. I was like, oh, you're writing down everything. Uh, stop it, stop did, it. Did he um, break Tamson's jaw? Is that what that with that kick and he resets his jaw? Is that how you took? Uh, that? Yeah, I, I think that he did some serious damage. I think that was a force punch. Uh, to to Tam, I don't know. Does Tamson have? He might have multiple jaws. Uh, do shark guys have multiple jaws? He's got multiple layers of teeth. I bet. Um, yeah. But there's a the the whole um. The uh, assault class trident ship uh, spinning and creating the mm-hmm. the water cyclone, uh, and then uh, Fisto and Tamson just you know Kit Fisto loses his blaster, and then they just have that brutal underwater punch fest. The, I think the broken jaw somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just kind of felt like this is a, the kind of thing that you just never know what you're gonna get uh, with an episode of Clone Wars. Or like. <laughs> yeah, watching two fish guys just have you know what an MMA fight underwater, right? Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. It's like we all have, we all have uh, what what is Star Wars to us, and sometimes it hits it, sometimes it doesn't. And it, it, clearly, I have those moments too. But you just said, you know, go into the open mind, and you'll get to enjoy two fish guys p- fighting each other. Come on, <laughs> yeah, absolutely great stuff. Um, it, it, speaking of uh, Riff's teeth, uh. It's the moment was coming. I was like, did I, is it coming or did I, was this a nightmare I had? And then, nope, it's real. When Riff uh, breaks Padme's helmet by just biting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that whole open mouth over her face to crack that uh, helmet. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else for you? Um, I wanted to give Padme credit for standing in there and blasting at the hydroid medusas. Um, you know, <laughs> It's a it's a queen of action. We know that, but at this point, she's a senator, and you know, uh, it's nice to see her. She's always there, and I don't want to ever not get her credit for being on the front lines. Love that mo- little moment. I put. I, I have a feeling you might have put this in comedy whimsy, where it probably belongs. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to say it now. I absolutely think the Gungan waterproofing spit moment is action because it saves <laughs> the day. It's funny, but it's action. Just a good old spit, and Padme is saved. Yes, it is an action moment. It's a comedy moment. It's maybe a disturbing moment. <laughs> a little column A, B, and C, but yes. I think if Jar Jar, just, let's just, let's dive into the Jar Jar spit now, the Gungan spit. Yeah. I think if Jar Jar had just spit and it was like a little small uh, bit of uh, saliva mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sealed the hole and it was just pitched as a like, good job, Jar Jar. Yeah. Th- then action. For me, it's got to go in comedy when it's got all this, right? Where she says, Jar Jar sealed my helmet with his and just can't even finish the sentence and the huge amount of saliva. Yeah. <laughs> and then we cut to a shot of Anakin and then really... Uh, my favorite comedy beat in this entire arc, uh, a quite long shot of Kit Fisto just shaking his head. Yeah. 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 And so, it is uh, good stuff. Well, I immediately thought of like two or three Gungans around a damaged Unabongo just spitting at it just to keep it safe. So <laughs> they're just open with their fluids. And I, that's what I feel like Kit Fisto is like those Gungans. Yeah. They really rely on their fluids for lots of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is me. Final one. I, I, I guess we start, I mean, it's brutal, but Tim, Tamsin's knife bombs and yeah. the kill and that final Gungan screaming right before he explodes. That was, uh, that, that caught, I forgot that was there. Caught me off guard. I knew how Tamsin went out, but I forgot that that was uh, right before it. 
I forgot. I knew that Hampson went out, but I honestly couldn't remember how. And the the visceral explosion, and then his you know dead eyes floating right yes. next to the camera. <laughs> yes, uh, and I know uh, we we know it's the Jaws ending, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and pay no much there, which is great. But yes, the, it was uh, yeah brutal, yeah brutal, and all those people brutal. blowing up with those bomb knives. Dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two other quick ones for me. I liked it when the Quarren uh, finally uh, jumped into action uh, that a couple buzzed by and shoot ink from somewhere. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then the final one for me uh, during the big last battle, uh, Akbar headbutts someone and then does the cool neck crack. Like, I'm okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love that. That's total like, got it. Next one. Loved it. I need a gif of that. The Akbar headbutt neck crack. <laughs> Kind of us will wake up every morning, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's move on to, to moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness, even though we've already discussed the very best, the spit of Jar Jar. Uh, right. But what were some moments of comedy or whimsy uh, for you? Look, it's definitely canon, but we could address the, it's an attack. Uh, love that. Love. I think that was a good use of, you got Akbar. You know you're going to do something, which we've always talked about. It, it's a trap, picks up speed a little bit later on in Star Wars fandom. It's it's not. A, oh, yeah. We weren't saying that on the playgrounds at 83, 84, uh, but it is, is a thing, and it should be a thing. I love it's a trap, but it's an attack was pretty cool. Yeah, that that's pretty great. Uh, I know that you are a fan of uh, sort of off-screen dialogue of random agitators, spectators. That's and there was a great one in that initial meeting uh, when some random corn says, yeah, who asked you? <laughs> You're right. that, that whole scene needed, what is he proposing? Yes, um, yes, there were some great ones there. Time for a change, like was another good one. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, who asked you? I want to uh, drop that into lots of different contexts. Um, uh, I always like smiling topless fit Kit Fisto. Come on, oh, how could you not? Absolutely. Great use of that. I also love in the beginning, I didn't write down the exact line, but uh, when Tamsin runs up, uh, swims up to Akbar and kind of gets in his face, and then Akbar's like, I'm going to teach him some manners. And they're like, Jell, hold when they're holding him back. I there was a great bar fight moment. <laughs> he said, What? <laughs> um yeah what are some other other moments for you padme's got a great sh- uh, shot back at anakin i love a little uh you know a uh, little healthy banter in a relationship there when uh she says back to him uh you know when he says something about swimming then he says oh says the boy from a desert planet zing yeah i just hope you're a fast swimmer anakin says it says the boy from a desert planet yeah that was really some that was some great banter yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I really liked the the council uh, on uh, on Naboo, the Gungan council scene. Uh, and I liked how comically fast it was resolved, where the, the new boss, uh, Boss Leone, is uh, not sure about this, kind of weighing things. And then Jar Jar is like, hey, no, it's Padme. Uh, yeah. We, we got to do this. <laughs> and then he just says immediately, thinking times are done. <laughs> thinking times are done is now the best Star Wars quote ever. Right. It's it's up there. Thinking times are done. Let's Thinking do this. Times are done. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh go ahead. Now there was a Jar Jar the Jar Jar couldn't hear moment. I thought uh, you know, and, and, and so Ahmed uh, coming back doing the voice here and I love just uh, you got you look you gotta have some Jar Jar humor. We we're in a different spot in it in our lives as Star Wars fans. I know you and I, but so I appreciated that too. Just him uh, in the middle of all this action, kinda like, huh? Can't hear. Yeah. Yeah, and I like I I I'm sure it uh, predates them, uh, but the it really reminded me of the uh, the was up commercials. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. 
Uh, yeah. So I think the final one for me is there's some great, uh, Kit Fisto business there, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, when they are captured <laughs> and they bring out the eels and Kit Fisto just says, ah, eels, very dangerous. <laughs> yes. Which is a Sala, uh, callback from uh, Indiana Jones. Of, ah, it's very dangerous. So love that. I wrote that down too. Kit's and, and Kit also, uh, when he tells Danica, less talking helps when you're trying to figure out how to escape. <laughs> oh, yes, that, that is a good one too. Uh, yeah, Kit, it's just, we, we've seen Kit Fisto uh, other places being a, a pretty steadfast unflappable Jedi and I like that yeah. uh, that being present and also, you know, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Any other moments, comedy, uh, whimsy moments for you? Final one is actually perfect. It's a Riff Tamsin quote uh when he says a senator two jedi knights and a fumbling amphibian i would have thought the prince would be easier to capture than the four of you i just going back to what you're talking about up top and my issues uh, coming into this uh, in the years past with riff of it's star wars and the fact that he's just like yeah it's a fumbling amphibian that's been around for a bit and but we still got jedi knights you still got a senator and you got this these squids that you've been rooting for for decades can just enjoy it I, i just thought that moment was fun it is uh, like Rift Hampson reading the back of the Phantom Menace action figures. Like that's pretty close to the description of the Phantom Menace that is back on, on the back of the episode one action figures. Completely right. Completely right. Which is <laughs> really funny. Really great. Uh, let's move into uh, connections to canon, lore, other stories. Uh, we have a lot really here. Uh, we got just the the Quarren themselves, right? Um, yeah. From our perspective, our generation, we met uh, the Quarren in uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, the action figure Squid Face. I had Squid Face. Did you have Squid Face? I did not have Squid Face. I think I made a choice between him and uh, and the Weak Way, and I got the Weak Way. Okay, yeah. My brother had the Weak Weak Way, and I had Squid Face. Uh, Tessic, I believe, as he is now known. Uh, so long relationship uh, with the Quarren, and then of course in the actual uh, uh, prequel films, we have the Senator uh, Teeks. Uh, who departs the Republic, joins the Separatists, and is killed by Vader <laughs> in Episode Three. Uh, so, any thoughts just on the on the Quarren as a character, as a culture? It's it's so funny because I, I I almost kind of take them for granted being part of the Star Wars landscape more than they were for us growing up, right? Um, and this is one of the episodes, one of the arcs in Clone Wars overall, but this one that kind of just you know, explores uh, their relationship with the Mon Cala, uh, Mon Calamari and on Mon Cala. And, and I, and I, you know, when you see him pop up again and say uh, Mando or something like that, uh, along with the Mon Calamari, it, it just, it, 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 I don't question it. And, and, and coming out of um, uh, Return of the Jedi, it was just squid face to me. And I know a little bit later, the West End games, everything kind of changes it and expands it. But uh, I just kind of grew up with that one corn and I love getting to focus on who they are and where they're from. Yeah, and I love this relationship, uh, you know, between the Mon Calamari fleshing them out. And, you know, we can see in the prequel films that, oh, it looks like some Quarrens have thrown in with the Separatists. So I like fleshing that out. Uh, you're right. You're so right to connect it to the Mandalorian and, you know, the great sweater Quarren, right? Or yep. uh, It is a Quarren, right? Uh, no, it's Mon Calamari, oh, no, no. right? But- no, Mon Calamari. Ugh, ugh. Shameful, yeah. shameful. You've lost this round. Ding, ding. Um, <laughs> I have. Yeah. But I at least knew I was probably wrong when I was saying it. So how, there's that. How many points did you bet? Um, <laughs> yeah, but I'm sure at some point a Quarren has probably looked across the aisle and said, we can wear those sweaters better. <laughs> our uh, our tentacles would look great in a sweater. Yeah. Uh, but I think there is one of the behind the scenes Mandalorian things. They're talking about the Quarren and the Mon Calamari and, and Dave kind of inserts like they had a whole Civil War thing. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and I remember that it, it, that was seeming a little too deep for the table. It was a little too deep. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some great Get Dave stuff. Uh, uh, you know, we always click. They don't really have featurettes for season four, it seems. Just a lot of Dave answering questions. And I, I suggest, if you're listening, watch it for these episodes because Dave answers some questions about some stuff that was in Legends, certain cities, or even Mon Cala being the name versus Mon Calamari being the name of the planet. And Dave answers, and he just basically at one point says, yeah, so George wanted to do this, and he created Star Wars. So we <laughs> yeah. listened to George. Talking about the difference between the the name being Moncala or Mon Calamari. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, them changing uh, the the gender of the of the uh, senator uh, character for, for, that did appear in episode three, and uh, some good reasoning behind that. And and the name was uh, in honor of a, of a friend and employee of Lucasfilm. But just a lot of it coming boiling down to, well, George said so. Yeah, and I think that is a uh, really, really, really great. Uh, and it it is it's the Quarren who have the chowder in Mandalorian. That's why I was getting confused. Yes, yes correct. Yeah, with the hoses on the roof, which is just so great. I still have problems with, but yeah. Uh, order mm. chowder from a Mon, a Mon Calamari. What what is, what is this? What why 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 can't I get anything right about the Mon Calamari in the Quarren today? It is a Mon Calamari who serves it, but there are Quarrens in the bar. There we go. Sure. All right. But I'm I, okay. But I didn't question you. So if this was a team's competition, we both mm. lost that round. Yeah. I am questioning myself. So uh, that's good. <laughs> uh, let's move on then uh, before I get more, uh, uh, say more weird things about Quarren to the Mon Calamari themselves, but in particular, Captain Akbar, right? Yeah. Uh, we talked about a lot of moments we enjoyed, uh, but uh, this is just like a, a huge amount of Akbar content. Mm-hmm. He's wearing that similar suit. Uh, he got. He has a great. It's an attack line, as you were so yep. right to highlight. Uh, he has his baton, which is actually a blaster, yes. which was uh, based on the action figure accessory that Akbar came with. Uh, uh, according to uh, Wikipedia, director Danny Keller uh, had an affinity for that accessory that the action figure came with back in the eighties and wanted Akbar to have it. So I would like to say a personal thank you, Danny Keller. That is great. hundred percent. No, I, and I remember loving this back when the episodes first aired and, and it reminds me a little bit of um, what we saw at the, the end of Mando with that book of Boba Fett teaser with um, uh, Bib Fortuna having his accessory as well. Right. So uh, I loved it. Now we just need a young uh, general Maydeen showing up with his pointer and uh, the, the circle will be complete. Uh, loved it. Loved seeing it in action and kind of like, I think I'd rather have that than a big, bulky blaster just a stick that fires yeah let's do it <laughs> right and it, it, it's really got this great like it looks like a you know a, a pointer or a military swagger stick and it looks like you're just gonna be like well i think we should move our troops to here and phew, it just goes off <laughs> yeah yeah i thought he was doing a powerpoint and he's blasting things amazing yeah how do you feel just about the general, you know, uh, there, there is kind of the endless conversation in Star Wars of, you know, going back to familiar things too often or giving us background information we didn't need to know what is what is too similar, what is too different. You know, he was Admiral, but now he's captain and he's got the same suit, all that kind of stuff. Where do you land? I always, you know, case by case basis for me is 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 a, is a good way to kind of approach it, and and this one really works. And and you could say some of it's a little cute. I don't know. He's he's a captain. He's not he's not an admiral. He says it's an attack, not a, it's a trap. But it's it's very organic and, and is who he is. There's also a moment here where Anakin says, uh, "As you wish," which is something I'd associate with Vader, right? As you 
change. And, and it's we've talked about that. There's certain speech patterns or something that you might say, and Anakin has them, and they will translate to him being Vader. So a lot of the Akbar stuff, it just makes sense. He's a character that exists. It, this is a planet and a world and a culture that exists in Star Wars. We we just by him showing up in Jedi, that show that lets you know that there's something there. He came from somewhere. And I think this is a good use. It's not distracting. And it would be awkward if they did this. You, you'd, be, you'd be asking, where's Akbar? Yeah, right. I, I think it, it continues that spirit that's there in Clone Wars. And I think a lot of Star Wars, which is uh, more just like, why not? Uh, this is an existing character. Don't we want to see more about this character? If you're going to bring, bring the character back, you want to tie to what they, what we already know about the character and then build on it. And I think for me, this all just really works because it doesn't just feel like, hey, you like the fish guy, right? So we threw him in. It's The whole thing is like, we're telling this big uh, uh, cultural story about the, the politics of this planet and how those politics affect the larger politics of the galaxy. Uh, so it feels like this is a story about building up these people's culture where who is Akbar, who is the kind of guy who would go all in on the rebellion. And I feel like the, all the character work they do, like you see that that's the kind of guy who is going to be uh, happy to lead, uh, <laughs> you know, a large attack and be a military leader and say, you know, enough is enough. Uh, let's go. Yeah. Right. Right. It, it tracks and it all tracks. Yeah. And again, you know, like you said, why not? Why not? Why not? And Baton Blaster, oh, that's just that's just a thing of beauty. Uh, you mentioned that as you wish, uh, Anakin gets electrocuted again. Yes, yes. <laughs> I really want I really want to be able to interview poor Anakin on his his deathbed and go, which do you hate more, fire or electricity at this point? Because yeah, <laughs> you've experienced a lot of both. Uh, he gets electrocuted a lot. He does. It does. Uh, foreshadowing Anakin. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I looked up because I just wanted to be clear on it for myself. Uh, the whole sad story of uh, Prince Leechar. <laughs> oh, I did. I did as well. Because I know. Yes. Yes. Go, go, for, go forward with your sad tale because I had the same tears shed. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Mon Calamari storytelling really uh, continues in the comics and the books. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going forward, even past uh, poor Lee Char. But here's what I looked up. Uh, it's in all the Star Wars comics. Uh, Lee Char, uh, in the era of the Empire, uh, partners with a Jedi survivor, Farron Barr, to uh, try to resist the Empire. Uh, eventually, it is revealed that this Jedi lied to Lee Char to encourage uh, Mon Cala to revolt. And at one point, uh, Vader even has a little reunion with Lee Char <laughs> and forces him to watch as Star Destroyers uh, bombard the planet and millions die. Uh, Lee Char surrenders. Go for it. Uh, okay, just verifying one thing that I forgot to have time. Okay, great. Yeah, so there's a ton of Mon Calamari storytelling in the Imperial era going forward into uh, the Resistance First Order War that uh, happens in the books and the comics. But uh, for Lee Char, we learn in the Star Wars comic books, uh, the Star Wars line in particular, uh, that Lee Char, during the era of the Empire, actually partners with a Jedi survivor of Order 66 named Farron Barr uh, to resist the Empire. And eventually it is revealed that this Jedi Barr lied to Lee Char to encourage the Moncala to revolt, and it doesn't go well. 
at one point, Vader and Lee Char have an unfortunate reunion uh, when Vader forces Lee Char to watch Star Destroyers bombard the planet and uh, lots and lots of people die and it's real sad. So uh, Lee Char surrenders. He is imprisoned. And then in a later story arc, Leia attempts to rescue him. Uh, but Lee Char is killed by stormtroopers. However, Lee Char's final act is recording this uh, speech of hope and resistance. Leia tries to get it broadcast. She gets blocked. But eventually, uh, another uh, Mon Calamari does broadcast this and causes a mass mutiny in the shipyards. And uh, that is how some of the great Mon Calamari battle cruisers get delivered to the rebellion. So it is a story of uh, darkness and death, uh, but ultimately Lee Char getting back to his roots and spreading a message of hope that helps the rebellion. So, yay. Yeah, all's well that ends well. Yeah, I remember seeing him on that, uh, like, the uh, essentially his deathbed there. It's, it's uh, kind of sad. Yeah, connected with tubes and everything. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dark road there for Lee Char. Yeah, but hey, you know, hope. He provides it in the end. Exactly. Exactly. Any other thoughts on on Lee Char and that story arc? No, he's uh, yeah. It it it, it jumps out. You glad glad uh, jumps out at you. Glad you you you, or, you know uh, brought it back up there. Yeah. No, I, I do like Lee Char as a character, and and I love um, you know these other cultures and worlds that are part of this landscape. I love taking some time to focus on them because I'm always I I I'm the type that's kind of wondering. What, what are they doing during the Battle of Hoth? Not that I expect them there at Hoth, but just like, what's going on there? Are they just having chowder on their planet? Like, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, and I just, it's one of the examples of like, yeah, the Star Wars uh, landscape is deeply connected. This, yeah. you know, one arc in Clone Wars and then years and years later, uh, these several arcs, big important things in, in the Star Wars comics, and it's all connected. Uh, any other canon or lore connections that you wanted to highlight? No, I just did that. You, you talked about uh, Anakin and being electrocuted and everything. And all that comes out of the sequence of him being so desperate to, to, to save Padme. We need to save Padme, he yells at one point. And just the kind of a canon, emotional canon, but also just canon connection, his panic and passion driving him to... Uh, do things that hurt him, right? And I just kind of like seeing that kind of mini drama break out there. Yeah, yeah. It is one of the things that I always remember from this episode that there is that, that let's check back in on Anakin's uh, absolute uh, uh, panic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that anything could ever happen to Padme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's, a, that they do such a good job in the Clone Wars of like not every episode is about like, let's have an episode that examines uh, this big through line, but they, they check in on them and that's a great checking in moment. Yeah, indeed. Was there anything that you disliked or questioned? <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, it was a great use of, of a character design. And guess what? Riff doesn't survive. Now, I know there's more of his kind out there. And they pop up every now and then in some books, I believe. I was looking, uh, trying to trace some of the appearances. Um, I, and you know what? And I'd be getting, you know, if Filoni wants to, in the Ahsoka show or season nine of Mando, challenge me by having a live action version of what is it a carcadon here uh i'm game i'm game let's do it let's figure it out let's see how this could actually work uh as i said riff will never end up being my my favorite character but they did such a good job with the use of the character uh what is it gary anthony williams i wonder yeah yeah uh just such a good job voicing him um so at the end of the day yes uh i can sometimes question why a shark was in star wars but at the end of the day like you said why not 
<laughs> Why not indeed? Yeah, there's a great discovery because I Riff Tamson is such a, a great uh, voice. And I was like, oh, who did that voice? Uh, and realized that uh, I think I've written a line of dialogue for uh, the actor who played Riff Tamson because he was on the show Tigtone <laughs> that I wrote for. And like, what a what a nice thing to have. See? Kind of. Kind of. Very kind of. Written a line for Riff Tamson. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm sure Gary Anthony Williams doesn't go around saying, yeah, that's I'm Riff Tamson. Yeah. Uh, but you never know. He should be very proud. It's a great, uh, great performance. Um, yeah, I, I love Riff Danson. I, I would love to see uh, more of, uh, if not Riff, uh, definitely the Carker Dones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you heard it here first. Four Center is requesting a Disney Plus show about Riff Danson. That's what we're saying. Um, I think everything worked really well for me with that uh, that Gungan uh, council scene. I really love that. Mm. There's a small part of me that wanted uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. to be the one making the presentation. It makes sense. The Yoda's then, you know, the head of the council. Uh, we got that little scene with Obi-Wan going, oh, Naboo. Uh, but there'd be, there would have been something cool, even in hologram form of seeing older Obi-Wan standing back in that court. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you maybe Obi-Wan says, hey, where's Boss Nash? Is he retired? Uh, you know, because in my, in Ken's mind, Boss Nash retires to a happy life. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, anything that we have not talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, man. We, we, we really went in on this episode, these episodes, and they deserve it, and uh, we hit it all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two very small things for me. Um, I really like Jar Jar's slick underwater outfit. Like, Jar Jar looks cool. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, justice for the Gungans all the way around. <laughs> yeah, and final thing for me, just to shout out, is the sound design is always great, but just all of the different underwater sounds, mm. uh, just the design of this episode was great and really made it uh, feel uh, different and add variety to the Clone Wars. Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, then, the most important question of our discussion, Ken, if you could have a figure or toy inspired by this episode, what do you want? I got two things here. We need first some official, and we may have touched upon this before, but I think we do need Kit Fisto Star Wars swim trunks. I think it's time. <laughs> uh, maybe we won't stop talking about it till we get it. Uh, and then we also need the Riff Tampson hand shark as promoted by Vin Diesel. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. That is super, super great. Uh, mm-hmm. I am all in on the Kit Fisto uh, um swim trunks uh i would like a kit fisto underoos <laughs> with just a green shirt because he's topless yes. uh yeah i, I want rift hampton content uh there is not a three and three quarter figure i would love an actual three and three quarter rift hampton figure and then for halloween ken for the mm. spooky season that we're in now as we're recording uh over the last couple of years these 12 foot skeletons that you put in your yard have become very popular yes I would love a 12-foot Rift Hampson. And Star Wars fans would be like, that's a giant Rift Hampson. And the vast majority of the world would just be like, why do you have a shark guy in your yard? See, it's amazing. Uh, Where I live in Burbank, every other house has a 12-foot skeleton just staring at you. Uh, And and Grace kind of wants one too. We're not getting one, but... um, um, <laughs> we're not. We have we have skeletons and like some antler creation hanging on our door um, to ward off spirits. Um, this is, but this is to your point. You know, I also don't like the puffer pigs, or used to not like the puffer pigs from Star Wars Rebels until someone got me that puffer pig toy. <laughs> then it was hard for me not to like them. And I think a, a good, whether it's the hand shark Rift Tamson or the twelve foot uh, Rift Rift Tamson for your yard, I think it would make me appreciate Rift even more. Yeah, you, you can't dislike Rift Hampson when he's in your yard or on your hand, right? Yep. yep. 
Yep. All right. That was so great to discuss the, this awesome, huge water war arc. Next up, uh, we have one of the increasingly rare one episode stories. Yes. We're going to be discussing season four, episode four, Shadow Warrior. Looking forward to that. Ken, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? Uh, the, this, the, the moral should be that uh, when you're swimming around with the sharks, you're going to have some tough choices. Just press record and do it. <laughs> That's right. Listen to the hope when you hit record. Uh, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we are the Force Center Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Uh, let us know in your let us know your own Rift Hampson thoughts. Uh, we are on uh, Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. You can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center, and we're available in a lot of different spots. Just search and you can find us, but Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Tune in and more we're there uh you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center and from there you can access our private discord server we can talk and celebrate star wars with force center friends seven days a week i am at ken Absuck or ken if you're local just got added to a comedy show over at flappers on october 27th information will be on that website and then i will be in washington dc in december with mark ellis and others so uh get ready for that uh, we're gonna try not to reenact die hard too when we're out there uh just <laughs> Uh, the scene I remember from Die Hard 2 is the bad guy training in the nude. So that <laughs> that just gave me a lot of pictures of your comedy show. <laughs> anyway, uh, you can find me uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for links to all of the other comedy adventures I've had, comedy albums, uh, shows I've written for, and my podcast, Obsessed, where if you are a James Bond fan, our most recent episode is my wife and I discussing the new Bond film, No Time to Die. So check that out. But for now, for myself, for Ken, uh, for Rift Hampson, for the Mon Calamari who wears the sweater and the Mon Calamari who sells the chowder, this has been the Clone Wars Report. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Black for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.